Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the GoBundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we've got a GoBundance brother, the founder and author, I'm sorry, founder and CEO of Advantage Forbes book and author of five books, three of which are Amazon bestsellers, GoBundance brother, Adam Witte. Welcome. Jamie, thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Absolutely. Now, thanks for being here. So let's, let's unpack you. We talked a little bit about you're down in Charleston. Is that where you're from? Kind of take us from the beginnings through now. What's your story? Yeah. So uh, born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland, grew up as a kid in central Florida, right outside of Orlando. Uh, I'm sitting down and you can't see me, but I'm six foot six. And yes, the most common question you get when you're six foot six is, did you, pay, did you play basketball? Uh, if you're below six feet, the most common question is, did you play miniature golf? But they always ask me if I played basketball. I did play basketball in high school, not good enough to play in college. Went to college at Clemson, mm. go Tigers, and uh, had a great experience during my college years and really became enamored, immersed, and uh, fascinated with entrepreneurship. In fact, so much that I started my first business out of my dorm room at Clemson. Uh, I graduated in 2003, and in 2004, I figured if I'm going to be a starving entrepreneur, I might as well start at the beach. So I moved to Charleston. And when I moved to Charleston, it, it wasn't Charleston, right? Like everybody listening to this podcast, oh, I love Charleston. I, you know, I... I've been to Charleston. I want to go to Charleston. Well, you know, 18 years ago, Charleston was like just a little blip on the radar. So I at least feel good that I discovered it before everybody else did. Uh, buying real estate was also a good decision a long time ago because uh, now it's like, you know, the price of Manhattan. So I moved to Charleston in 2004 and started my uh, business, uh, a new business. So this would have been my second business. Uh, out of the living room of the apartment that I was renting downtown. That was in 2005. And uh, today, Advantage Forbes Books, uh, our uh, joint venture partner is Forbes Media, Forbes Magazine, Steve Forbes. And uh, today, we're one of the largest authority building and book publishing companies in the world. Uh, we help entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business leaders write and publish a book to grow their business. And we help them build their authority, build their thought leadership, and use that thought leadership as currency uh, to open more doors and to ultimately grow their own business. So that is my primary business uh, that I run today. We're based in Charleston. We have about 75, 80 full-time team members, uh, most whom are in Charleston, uh, but we do have people in 13 different states now. And then along the way, of course, uh, like an entrepreneur, like a good entrepreneur, we can't keep our hand out of the entrepreneurial cookie jar. 
So in 2018, I bought a company called Magnetic Marketing. One of my mentors is a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy. He's one of the most famous direct response writers, copywriters, uh, really kind of learned everything about marketing from him. And I had a unique opportunity to buy the company that he started in 2018. So Magnetic Marketing today, we've got a full-time team of 10 people. And that company teaches direct response marketing principles to entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, we have a monthly membership. We put on monthly educational seminars and boot camps. We have coaching and mastermind groups. And uh, we also put on events throughout the year, all about marketing education for business owners. And then, of course, I just couldn't help myself. Last year, uh, I started a software company called MLive, which provides marketing automation for dentists that specialize in TMJ and sleep apnea treatment. So over the course of my career, both at Advantage Forbes Books and also at Magnetic Marketing, we've served probably 500 dentists. And what I realized about the dental industry is there is a real need for marketing support and marketing help. And most importantly, using technology and automation to make communicating with patients and prospects a whole lot easier. So uh, seeing an opportunity and really feeling like technology was a solution. Uh, last year, we launched MLive. And uh, today, we're very much a startup. We've got a full-time team of five people. We've got about 65 dental offices that we serve with our software. And of course, we're in uh, you know, the scale-up and grow-up mode. And uh, that's, that's Adam, at least professionally. So three active operating businesses uh, luckily, we have a president that runs each business, so I can spend most of my time on high-level strategy, uh, you know, high-level people-related stuff, you know, really making sure we have the right people in the right seats, uh, spend a lot of time on culture, and really just reinforcing the values and the, the principles and practices of working together, which are the fabric and DNA of our businesses, and um, spend a lot of time also traveling around the country and, uh, you know, working with key customers and trying to open up strategic doors to open new customer and business opportunities for those three businesses. Let's take this back a second. I'm curious about, and I, I want to go sort of step-by-step step through each of these, each of these uh, endeavors, if you will. Okay. Go back on the entrepreneurship part for, for a second. You mentioned that you kind of discovered a passion for it at Clemson. And I'm always curious with with guys that come on this podcast, just entrepreneurs in general, did you have a sense of that prior to? Like, is it something in your upbringing, or maybe you were when, once you got to college? Was it like, oh, I remember actually way back when, when I was six or eight? Like, yeah, that fire was there. I just didn't know what it was. Or was it something that you discovered just a little bit later, if you will, than maybe in high school, like a lot of other guys talk about? I'm kind of curious on that part. Yeah. So I had the fortune of growing up in a household with an entrepreneur. Uh, my father started a business and I had a front row seat to see the trials and tribulations of him starting a business. His first office was our garage. And I saw him scale that business from, you know, himself and uh, his business partner in a garage to, you know, over a hundred people. And they, uh, over a seven year period actually sold the business to a large insurance company and, and had a pretty nice financial exit. Uh, now, of course, there were some bad, challenging, hardship times along that journey as well. But certainly having a front row seat to that was certainly an inspiration. Mm -hmm. And all of that being said, when I went off to college, I wanted to work in professional sports. I was a big basketball fan. We grew up in Orlando during the days of Shaq and Penny. And if you said, Adam, what do you want to do when you grow up? I wanted to be the general manager of an NBA basketball team. And uh, one of my mentors was the founder of the Orlando Magic. And so like, I really wanted to do sports. And it was probably my sophomore year at Clemson. I got drug, didn't really know what I was doing. I got drugged to a collegiate entrepreneurs organization meeting 
company was called, or the, the organization was called the CEO Club, and right, creative. Mm, and yeah. <laughs> I, I met some cool people and kind of fell in love with it. I like and that. I had an idea for a business and I thought, what the hell, I'm going to try this, this business in college. And so the business I started in college. Good question. Yes. Yeah. So it was called TicketAdvantage.com. It was like StubHub. So if you had season tickets to Clemson or the Orlando Magic or, uh, you know, in your neck of the woods, the Michigan Wolverines. Sure. You had a game you couldn't go to, you would go to ticketadvantage.com, you would place them for sale, and then a fan like me could buy your tickets, and I could get your really good seats instead of sitting up in the nosebleed section. Because mm -hmm. when you go buy tickets at a box office, most of the tickets they have left are, you know, not the high, the high nosebleed seats. So the whole idea was, you're a season ticket holder, you can't go to a game, recoup your investment, and let a fan sit in really good seats. I started the company in 2002. I was an undergraduate at Clemson. I had no financial backing. It was all just bootstrapped. And ultimately, I grew the company to about $250,000 in annual sales, which I have been told was a great feat for a college student. But you know, compared to a company like StubHub, which went out and raised $30 million in Silicon Valley venture capital, I ultimately could not compete. So that business didn't really flourish very long. However, what I learned from it was that I love business. Mm -hmm. And I loved the creative nature of trying to start something, something from scratch and, and make it a go. And uh, when I moved to Charleston in 2004, you know, I, I had Ticket Advantage that was running on the side, but not big and really not a lot of money to, you know, do a whole lot with. And so I had spent two summers in high school working as an intern for a publishing company. I thought I would hate it. I ended up finding it interesting. Uh, I, I'm a big book reader. I'm sure a lot of GoBundance members read lots of books or listen to lots of books. And uh, so I took this internship. I like books. I thought this could be fun. And, you know, what I thought eh, would just be okay, I really ended up kind of finding interesting and falling in love with. I spend these two years working at this publishing company. I learn a lot. I go off to college. I never think about it again until I'm in Charleston and the ticket advantage business is kind of on the side. It's, it's kind of flailing. And I said, I'm going to start a publishing company. My mentor, Pat Williams, who started the Orlando Magic basketball team, he had written a couple of books. And he was, for lack of a better word, Jamie, a celebrity. You know, certainly founding a basketball team gave him a lot of credibility. But he would write these books and he would be on TV and he would be asked to come and speak. And so it really made him a household name, not just in Orlando, but, but really in Florida at large. And he built a pretty large speaking and consulting business as a result of these books. So he and I are having lunch one day and he's like, Adam, you need to start a publishing company for business leaders. Because if a business person writes the book on the topic, uh, everybody's going to see them as the expert. And I said to him, and there's a lesson here. I said, Pat, what in the world do I know about book publishing? And he looked at me and he said, Adam, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. He said, you've spent two summers as an intern for a publishing company. You know more about books than 99.9999% of the world's population. He said, you're an expert, my friend. And with that encouragement, I started Advantage in 2005 out of my living room in my apartment. And of course, the rest, as they say, is history. So I love, I love that point about, you know, uh, think you can, think you can. I think that was Henry Ford, that he, he hit you with that in that moment. 
I've often said, and this no pun intended here, but to be to be you know to add value to somebody, you really only need to be one chapter ahead, which you were, or at least one chapter ahead, because he's right. I know nothing about publishing. If I spent three months or a month or six weeks or two weeks for that matter in a publishing company, I'm sure I would know more than like he said, ninety nine point nine percent. So love the advice. My question is, how did you meet an MBA team owner? How did that connection happen? I read his book and I wrote him a letter. Now this was in 1997 or 1998. This was during the heyday, you know, when the Magic were making the NBA Finals and Shaq and Penny. So this was in the heyday, and I wrote him a letter asking him some follow-up questions after reading his book. Love it. And I really didn't think he would reply to me, and I remember a box comes in the mail. And you know, when you're like a 16 year old kid and a big box comes from UPS, like you get pretty excited. And I remember it was a signed basketball from everybody on the team. Wow. With a handwritten note from Pat Williams, thanking me for the letter, thanking me for being a fan and a supporter of the magic. So what did I do? I wrote him back. And in the second letter, I thanked him for the basketball and I asked him if I could take him to lunch. And, and he said yes. So I remember I didn't have a car, so my mom literally drove me to lunch with Pat Williams. And you know she stayed in the car. And uh, we just got to know each other and quickly built a friendship that to this day uh, still exists. You know, this is now 21, 22 years later. And I think the lesson there is that, you know, we think that really busy, really successful people don't have any time. And the truth is, yeah, they're busy. But when somebody writes you a letter, which, I mean, people don't get a whole lot of mail much longer. But when somebody actually writes you a letter and essentially asks for your advice or asks you to mentor them or just asks for your help, I don't know about you, Jamie, but me, I feel like my success is the result of other people helping me along the way. Mm-hmm. And I feel maybe guilt, maybe a moral obligation. I don't know what it is, but I feel a need to help other people because they've helped me. And so when a business person, whether it's a a young student or whether it's somebody that's just starting a business of their own, when they need some advice or some help, man, I really don't have the time, but, but I make the time. And so I think that's just a great lesson for all of us that, you know, the, the mentors and the role models that you aspire to, and you've always wanted to model or have always kind of looked at from afar with, with gleaming eyes, you're only one letter away from meeting them in person. That's, that's a great letter. And you were inspired, obviously, by Pat Williams in that regard. My question, my follow-up question on that, because you're right, throwing down the rope, as we say, uh, you know, helping others that, are, that, that are, are, are looking for help, there is a sense of obligation. But I'll be honest, for me, I've found myself having to politely decline a lot in the interest of time. Mm-hmm. How do you... How do you balance that or do you, or, or you know, do you, I'm just kind of curious if there's any tips or tactics within that. Do you limit the time? Do you, do you schedule through an assistant? I, I don't know. Is there anything that you do to yeah. balance that? Cause I struggle with that. I struggle with, I, I have this guilt when I say no, but I yeah. find myself looking at my priorities and what I think I need to accomplish. And you know, I have to decline and I always feel like a, like a jackass when I do it, but if it, I think, I think it's the right thing, but I do want to help. I, I think you get what I'm saying. So what do you do? How do you balance that? How, do you ever say no? Are there specific things that you, you look for before you respond? I'm just kind of curious if any thoughts on that. Yeah, there's two things. The first is how many hoops did they jump through? So I get a lot of requests on LinkedIn. Well, between you and me, how hard is it to send a LinkedIn message to somebody? Yeah. It's not at all. I don't even have to find their email address. So I almost always, you know, politely turn that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get emails. Yeah, but it's email, right? Like you didn't really have to go to any effort. The people that hit my heart 
are people that write a letter, whether it's handwritten, which I've gotten, whether it's typed, which I've gotten. But if you go to the effort to write out your thoughts in print, find my address, put it in an envelope, put it in a box, whatever it is, and mail it to me, you got my attention. I like that. So that's number one. And number two is typically like, okay, if they are a student, I'm more likely to help than, you know, if they're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, already been in business. You know, I, I remember one of my kind of mantras when I started my first business, I was a student at Clemson. And what I learned is that if you were a college student trying to start a business out of your dorm room, everybody will help you. You know, if you're a middle-aged bald guy trying to start a business, you're not going to get nearly as much sympathy. And so I'm not talking about you, Jamie. You've got a great, you got, you got a great head. Uh, I am middle-aged and I am bald though. So you're right. There's not many so, help out. So. You know, I mean, it's just like, you got to take advantage of like, you know, your situation. 100%. So if, yeah. if it's a student, if it's a student, college student, a high school student, or somebody that's maybe just right out of school really young, I'm probably much more likely to help them than if it's somebody that's kind of been out in the world for a while. Makes sense. What's up, everybody? This is Pat Hyben and Tim Rode, uh, founders of GoBundance, and we wanted to give you a quick sneak peek of our August event coming up in Steamboat, Colorado. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback that you'd love to see us kind of go back to the old ways. Want to see us do the one sheets, want to see go talks, more connecting at the event. So we're committed this year and we promise, number one, all four elders are going to be there. Number two, it's going to be 50% on stage, 50% off stage, which means, you know, 50% of the time at least is going to be spent interacting with all the other members. And some of the cool things that we got going for you on stage is of course as usual we're going to do the bull versus bear and we really really put our heads together and said what is something that's debatable and that one thing is retail so we are going to bull versus bear on the asset class retail real estate is that going to bomb or should you be buying into that that's number one. We're going to be doing the ever popular 728 program with Aaron West, Daniel Del Real. We're going to have David Osborne leading three businesses through the gauntlet. The gauntlet. And if you haven't seen the last gauntlet, the gauntlet is basically it's a shark tank. David's going to run the shark tank. He's going to be like the three shark tank judges all in one. Actually, what he's going to be is he's going to be like the, the, lead, the interactive guy. And then the audience is going to be like the judges. So the three Shark Tank people will come and present at the gauntlet. Then they'll go into a soundproof booth. And everybody will rip them to shreds in the audience. So it'll be really, really cool and very engaging as to um, how people pick apart investments. And, of course, they're real investments. So afterwards, if you want to throw some money down on it, you can too. And then during the day, of course, we'll be getting the goods in the woods. We have all sorts of fun things lined up for you. Plenty of options to play hard, to uh, play light. However you play, there will be a way for you to get it. Yep, and something we're going to do that's, that we haven't done before, we're going to have a very organized golf tournament going to be a GoPod golf tournament or if your GoPod is not there then you can just pick a random foursome. We're also going to have an ultimate frisbee GoPod challenge. So in your GoPod you're going to go against other GoPods in a game of ultimate frisbee and we're going to bracket it and we're going to have a huge prize at the end for the winner. So here's the deal. Sign up. Come to Steamboat in August. Here's all the information on the screen. We look forward to seeing you there. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. 
the uh, the thing I've done, and you know, it actually, I guess it's worked. You talked about hoops, is creating those hoops. Like you, I get LinkedIn, you know, Facebook Messenger, or whatever. And often when I decline, it'll be like, hey, listen, you know, hit me up in two, three months, and let's see if I have some time at that point. And nobody does. Nobody That's does. Right. But somebody does, right? Somebody, but then one person will, and that's like, all right, hey, you know, I, even if I don't want to, to your point, it's like game on. Like you took the time, like you said, to save it in your calendar, check back. Like, okay, you said three months, let me do three months and then check back and you know, whatever. But I, I the hoops thing is a great point. I, 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 I learned to kind of create those hoops a little bit, but yeah, that's interesting. I like the handwritten letter idea because you're right. It is a, it is a lost art in many ways. Let's go to the Forbes uh, partnership. I'm curious about that. So Pat Williams is in your network. Very, very impressive person to have along with you. And then you just mentioned another name that, I don't know, five, six, seven people might have heard, Steve Forbes. How did you land a partnership with, you know, the name of money, essentially? <laughs> it's like Buffett and Forbes. Like, how did you land a partnership with this guy and his company? Yeah. So I am in New York City and I'm at an event and I am sitting next to the senior vice president of marketing of Forbes randomly. And so never let an opportunity go to waste. Yeah. Uh, I'm making small talk and I say, you know, this is going to sound like a crazy question, but you guys are the largest business magazine publisher in the world. Everybody knows who Forbes is. Have you guys ever thought about publishing business books? And she looks at me and she's like, why in the world would we want to do that? <laughs> and she said, you know, making money selling magazines is hard enough. I don't even want to know how hard it is making money selling books. And of course, as a lot of go bros know, a lot of guys have, have written books. You know, it's very hard to make money selling books. And I said, well, wait a minute. I think you've missed the point. And so I told her a little bit about Advantage and the business that I had started in 2005. And I said, look, our business model is a little bit different. The entrepreneurs and CEOs that we work with, you know, they're hiring us and they're paying us to help them create a book, but then they're really engaging us to help them build their authority brand, which means that we make money as a company, even if they never sell a single copy because at the end, that's really not what it's all about. It's about building authority, not about selling copies at a Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And she said, okay, I'm listening. And I said, imagine if we took the Advantage platform and the Forbes name and married them together. One plus one could equal five. And I said, I think this could be really big. And she said, well, I've got an executive meeting next week, uh, Steve's going to be there and I'll mention it. And if there's any interest, then I'll call you back. So of course I leave the, the meeting The it was a luncheon and I really didn't put too many hopes in it. Right. Only cause you know, if, if you've ever been in sales and when you start a business, you're in sales, like you've had your hopes and dreams shattered so many times you know, you, you just keep moving on. You don't put too much stock in any one deal because you just never know. So I'm moving on. And I don't know, it's probably two weeks later, I get an email and she says, hey, uh, I talked to Steve, talked to the executive team, and they're kind of interested. Uh, would you be willing to fly up to New York and present your idea to our executive team? And I'm like, I would be happy to. <laughs> yes. Hard yes. <laughs> I go up to New York. Uh, I present to the team and Mr. Forbes, who has written, man, he's probably written a dozen books himself. Uh, he, he is a voracious reader. He's a voracious writer. He like immediately latches onto the idea and, and he just kind of fell in love with it. And, and as they say, the rest is history. So we, we built a business with Forbes. It's called Forbes Books, whereas we advantage operate the business and run the business. But all of the authors that publish with Forbes Books have exposure and visibility to the Forbes audience. Um, they get to leverage the Forbes brand to build their personal authority brands. And ultimately for Forbes, 
we're creating really high quality content that Forbes readers care about and have interest in. So um, that business, which is significant in size today, started as an idea at a luncheon. Uh, I was kind of making small talk and, and five years later, I would say it's exceeded everybody's expectations. Power of networking, and that's a great story. Do you have uh, a relationship with, to any level, access to, have you, you know, proximity to Steve or Mr. Forbes, or, or is it more like with his team and, you know, very little, if any, interaction with him? So we work extensively with the whole team. He's really taken a personal interest in the business. Mm -hmm. He's been to Charleston a couple of times. Uh, he came down to Mexico to speak at a big uh, conference for entrepreneurs that I was putting on. He, he and I are on a first name basis. We've spent time together. He even sent my wife and I a beautiful wedding gift when we got married a couple of years ago. Nice. So, um, you know, I don't want to say that he and I are best friends that hang out on the weekends, but he's been extremely supportive and helpful, not only to me, but to the entire Forbes Books business. Well, I asked that for, for this reason. Back of the napkin math, if I were to write it down and try to figure it out, I would bet that Steve Forbes qualifies, say, for GoBundance, right? And I also would say <laughs> that, uh, that uh, Pat Williams in likelihood would. So you've got, you've got uh, access and a relationship with two fairly prominent individuals in, in, in our culture, one, but also more, more to the point, uh, have had major financial success to start a NBA franchise and... Forbes <laughs> are two are two sort of iconic uh, things to do. These are significant and special people, extraordinary people. Are there any commonalities, anything that you see uh, that's sort of you know a through line through the two of them? I, I don't know the way they work, the way they interact, anything like that that uh, that uh, is a call it a success secret or two that you've learned or that you've seen or that you've observed that you could share with us. Yeah. So so there's probably four mentors outside of my business that have made a pretty big impact in my life. Uh, two of them you named, right? Uh, Steve, Steve Forbes has been extremely helpful. Uh, Pat Williams has been extremely helpful. Dan Kennedy would be a third name that I would add to that list who I mentioned. And then, and then number four would be a guy named Alan Mulally. And you might know who he is because he was the CEO of Ford Motor Company from 2006 to 2014. The name and sounded familiar, yeah. Alan was the CEO of Boeing, and he turned around Boeing after 9-11. Mm -hmm. And then in 2006, he came to Ford Motor Company and saved them from the great uh, crisis that they were in. He worked through the Great Recession of 2008, 2009, 2010. And um, ultimately saved Ford and, and when he left, made them the most profitable U.S. automaker. And the commonality between all four of them is, and there's probably more than the one that I'm going to mention, but at the end of the day, they're all what I'll call givers. And that is that all of them have immense wealth, like, you know, their own corporate aircraft kind of wealth, right? Just uh, immense wealth, you know, buy their own island if they wanted to buy their own island. And number one, you don't know that when you're around them because they don't act like it. You know, I'm from the South and, you know, they, they use the term like new money, old money, right? People that are old money have tons of money, but you don't know it when you meet them. Uh, people that are new money, you know, they pull up in the Range Rover and they they got their Prada glasses and they got their, you know, their Gucci loafers and like it, it just screams money. And I'm not making a value judgment on either. I'm just making a point for the sake of this story is number one, all four of them, you wouldn't know that they were wealthy. Um, I mean, look, you know, when you're around them, they're dressed nicely, but, but you wouldn't know that they were like in the top tenth of one percent of wealth in the world you, you just wouldn't know it and the second thing is that they are they're givers they're givers of their time uh they're givers of their talent and they ultimately want to help other people now that doesn't mean that they're foolish and they just give up their time with no regard 
I mean, they're, they're very smart people, but when, when they have somebody that wants to learn, that wants to be a sponge and soak it up, when they feel that they can actually work with somebody to make a difference in that person's life, uh, they're, they're absolutely all in. So th those, I guess those are really kind of two commonalities that I've seen in those four people that I've spent a lot of time with. Fantastic outline. Thank you for that. And it hits me kind of where I stand. I was talking to a, a newer GoPro, Andrew Babson out of, uh, oh God, Philly, I think. Sorry, Andrew. He recommended a book to me and I was, I was playing with my phone looking at it because I have it on Audible wondering like, oh, I wonder if you published it. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but it's called Give, it, Give and Take with uh, Adam Grant. Yeah. And um, he chronicles what a giver is, what a taker is, and what a matcher is, somebody that kind of sees the idea of if you give, you must get, or the other way around, right? So that, that concept of givers, I'm literally learning about right now. Not the idea that giving, I think most of us understand that giving is receiving, but the, the idea that the, you know, I, I guess, spoiler alert, the lowest performers in any industry tend to be givers. The highest performer in any industry also tend to be givers. Mm -hmm. And he, he makes a compelling case as to the difference between the high and low performers. You, you kind of touched it. Not foolish with their time. There's some, there's some strategy there, but at their heart, they have a giving soul. They, you know, they, they want to add value to others in as many ways as possible. I, I don't know. I think that's a fantastic observation. And just personally for me sitting here, it's like, damn, I'm literally reading about this concept and you just affirmed it for me. So I guess, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right. I want to quickly, before we dive, we'll do kind of a, a lightning round on the one sheet, but I do want to get a sense of magnetic marketing. Uh, I guess the direct response marketing business and that is, uh, is uh, I guess there's some commonality there, but why? <laughs> You've got this prominent book company. You mentioned, like you said earlier, like entrepreneurs can't help it. But give me a little more on that. Like, what made you say, you know what, I need to do something else? Was it strategic? Was it boredom? I'm just kind of curious what your, what your incentive was to, to, to build and or buy multiple more companies after you had built a very successful company and partner with Steve Forbes with Advantage Forbes Books. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so when I bought the company uh, for a variety of reasons, it actually had nothing to do with Dan Kennedy because he was, you know, very much kind of on the outside of the business at that point, the business was in major need of a turnaround. And when I bought the company, uh, it, it was not in good shape. And so it was a turnaround. And look, I'll admit, many entrepreneurs love a great challenge. And so the, the idea of the challenge of turning it around uh, was appealing to me. Also, the business has a high amount of recurring revenue because mm -hmm. their business model is a subscription-based membership, where at the time, the Advantage Forbes Books business was much more transactional in nature. So the idea of diversifying the revenue model and the business model was very appealing to me. In addition to that, uh, I really believe that there was a good bit of cross-selling and cross-promotional opportunity between the two businesses mm -hmm. because entrepreneurs and business owners were the core customer between both, both of those businesses. And there was probably a, a small amount that was a, a bit of wanting to help preserve the legacy of the founder, Dan Kennedy, and really share his teachings and education with the world over because of its value and its meaning to me personally. So if you put all those things in a pot and stir it up, you, you had my, my motivation to buy it. Uh, it's funny because everybody, when I bought the business, they said, congratulations. And I said, jokingly, but truthfully, uh, well, if you knew what I knew, you'd say good luck. <laughs> because it, it, it really needed some TLC. Sure. Uh, the good news is that business has, has we really been able to turn it around. Uh, the business uh, is in a really good place right now. And for me personally, the amount of time that I have to personally invest in it week in and week out um, has gotten pretty small. Now, we're three years into our turnaround. So year one, year two, year three, that time commitment's gone down slowly. But, you know, that first year, the time commitment was pretty high. 
So I would tell you, Jamie, that, that yeah, if, if you're a seasoned CEO, you're probably disciplined enough to say, you know what, we're going to just focus on one thing. And if you're an entrepreneur, which is a bit different, we love the idea of starting, fixing, creating, and it's just something that is part of our DNA that I think no matter how disciplined you are, you can't fully ever get out of your system. But the compelling business reason was really to diversify our revenue stream and to create uh, recurring revenue through their subscription-based business model. And so for that reason alone, there was a lot of logic to, to do the deal. So I, I want to ask this question, and maybe I'll, I'll put like a, a, just in the interest of time, a cap on it to say maybe a sentence or less or a few bullets or whatever the case may be. If you could summarize between, between Advantage Forbes books, between the, the company you purchased from Dan Kennedy, you know, the turnaround that you did there, you've had success in a startup, success in a turnaround project. Is there, is there any secret behind that? Is there, is there a, uh, you know, a certain thing that you feel is central to the ability to be successful in buying, starting, making a successful business? Anything that you've learned? Yeah. So I, I would say, number one, it's all about people. And I've actually learned that the hard way. A lot of times people will ask me, hey, Adam, you're, you're 16 years into your entrepreneurial career. If you knew then what you know now, what would you do differently? And my answer is I would have sucked it up buttercup and I would have spent more money to hire higher quality people earlier on. Like when, when you start a business, you know, you're telling yourself the story. A lot of times it's true. You know, I don't have a lot of money. I got to be really careful. And of course, if you start a business when you're married or have kids, like, you know, the money the business throws off, you, you probably need it to support your own family. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, when it comes to hiring people, especially early, they're cheap. And, you know, they'd rather hire somebody for $40,000 than an all-star for sixty dollars or $70,000. And, you know, you say, well, gee, that's $30,000 that I'm going to save that I can put in my pocket. If I got two young kids at home and I can't afford to hire that $70,000 person. And what I've learned the hard way, you can't afford not to hire the $70,000 person because they are going to run circles around the $40,000 person. And it's true whether it's frontline individual contributors or it's true whether it's executives. I mean, I meet entrepreneurs, they're like, oh yeah, I hired a COO. I'm like, well, tell me about the CEO. Oh, you know, I went to college with him. He's worked in the business for a couple of years with me. What do you pay him? I pay him $90,000 a year. I'm like, okay, that's not a COO, right? A COO is somebody that's run a real company before that has probably 10, 15, 20 years of experience. And you're probably paying them at minimum 200,000 bucks, right? Somebody that has the skills to go out and do it. But man, the idea of paying somebody 200 versus 90, there's a lot of reasons why we want to gravitate towards 90. And it's almost always a mistake. You really do get what you pay for, especially when it comes to talented people. And if you've got highly talented people, there's no limit to what a business can do. If you've got mediocre people, you're pushing a boulder up a mountain. Great advice. Hits me where I stand as well, kind of on my journey. So again, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the insight from you. I'm going to call an audible on this. We're going to skip the one sheet stuff. I just think there has been so much more value in what you've given us today. So I really do appreciate everything that you've, that you've laid out here. I'm going to end this with our, our, our standard ending, which is to give you a question, a random question from the GoBundance card deck. So this is the nine of clubs. Clubs, yeah. <laughs> clubs and spades, I confused. What's something you've done well, this kind of goes, oh, whatever. Maybe it's something different. What's something you've done that you would try to dissuade others from doing? <laughs> What's something I've done that I would try to dissuade others from doing? Other than not hiring people uh, early, paying for talent. Yeah, I would say that I probably have at times early in my career and probably even at times now gotten very excited about ideas and lost focus. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, the, the job of the leader is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. and to keep everybody rowing in the same direction, focused on one goal. And I'll admit, I'm a creator. I like to build things. I like to invent things. I like to create. And I get so damn excited about it. As so many people probably on this podcast do too, that I can't help but want to, let's go do this. And that is the worst thing that you can do in a business if you're really trying to keep people focused on like achieving a goal. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned the hard way is like, all right, if I'm going to do that, I need to create like Adam's little laboratory Mm -hmm. and I need to go do it on my own without telling a single person and wait till I develop the idea or wait till I develop the business incubating it until it's at a certain point in which I then go say to people, Hey, Here's what I've been working on. Let me give you the overview and tell you why I think it's a good idea. Whereas the Adam of yesterday would have just done it. So I would like to say I've learned from my mistakes, but if I were to dissuade uh, my GoBros from not making the same mistake that I did, the mistake not to make would be to lose focus and try to do too many things because I've done it before. We didn't even touch on the five books or anything, but maybe if you want to plug one now, you may, but how can people learn more about you, your company, uh, anything that you want to leave people with as far as learning more about you and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Jamie. So actually one of my books, I did have a copy right here. It's titled Authority Marketing, and it's really kind of a blueprint to build your own thought leadership and your own authority in your industry, in your community, whatever that may be. Uh, a lot of uh, GoBros have asked me just for advice and help because, again, a lot have written books or want to write books. So if I can provide any advice or any help, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, I'll give you an email address where they can drop a line to me. It's A Witty. My last name is spelled W-I-T-T-Y, A Witty, at advantageww.com. My personal brand website is adamwitty.com and uh, my company Advantage Forbes Books is at advantagefamily.com. I am on LinkedIn. I am not active on the other social channels. So email uh, or LinkedIn is probably the best way. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for, for telling your story, for giving us a lot of great content, giving me a lot of things to think about. I appreciate you for that. Uh, and yeah, I'll hopefully see why I will see you in Steamboat. and It'll be great to connect with you. Jamie, I look forward to it. And thanks for letting me share my story. 100%. Thank you. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! Oi, oi, oi! The Honorable Australia, you croaky abundant sky! Well, the Aussies won't have us, but the Ecuadorians are saying... Come on, win it, go bandits! Grab life big at the Galapagos Islands and Ecuador! September 13th through September 23. We fly into Quito and immediately ship off to the Hot Springs Resort where you can put one foot in the Northern Hemisphere and one foot in the Southern Hemisphere at the same time. Selfie! Day two. We travel to the Amazon jungle, go straight into it with some epic class four whitewater rafting. That night we stay at stunning Hamadrati Jungle Lodge. Then we travel downriver to a remote indigenous village for our give back project. There we'll be giving to a village of indigenous Ecuadorians who so need our help in rebuilding their community. And of course, we will be bringing hundreds of GoBundance Frisbees to teach the kids the game of Ultimate Frisbee. 
Later that day, we'll be welcomed into the same community and thankful for our efforts and we stay with the tribe. We say adios to our newfound friends and travel back upriver and onward by road from the jungle back into the mountains. This afternoon, we'll reach Banyos, a small town situated in a valley at the base of an active volcano. Then we'll head to nearby San Martin Canyon for a bunch of cool activities like ziplining, walking across a high, high, high suspension bridge, via ferrata, whatever the hell that is, and a canopy jump into the Rio Pastraza. Sort of like 12 shots of B12 right there. Day five from Banyos, higher to the Andes towards Cota Paxi. Now, we're gonna break into two groups. Each group is gonna do something on this amazing mountain or volcano. You will have your choice. Choice one, we're gonna wake up at midnight and summit that sucker so we are there at the sunrise. Now the summit is 19,347 feet. No joke. I highly recommend you train hard for this. Be ready for this because 19,347 is no joke. We'll have another group head to Hacienda La Aligra, a family owned horse farm located in the panoramic volcano valley. We're gonna do some horseback riding and then do an epic mountain bike ride. You don't have to decide till you get there. It's gonna be absolutely epic either way. We'll all return to Quito. It's time for Aspiring Adventures Epic Amazing Race. What a way to see Quito, Ecuador. Then we fly out of Quito to the Galapagos Islands. There we stay at the famous Finch Bay Eco Hotel for three nights in a row. And this afternoon, we're gonna go wander and check out some of the weird and wonderful wildlife. We're gonna do some scuba diving, snorkeling in the pristine waters of the Galapagos. Bucket list item check! Then on day 10, we are going deep sea fishing. This will be a day of epic nautical bombastia. Then we fly out of the Galapagos, refreshed, re-energized, and with a soul that is majorly fulfilled. Ecuador is bound to be one of GoBundance's most epic international adventures yet. And I hope to see you there. Go Ecuador! Thank you for tuning in to the Go Abundance Podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, Go Abundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, Go Abundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, Go Abundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.